Bronx Podcast, your fan-based news and analysis for all things Denver Broncos. My name is Austin. I'm joined here with Kevin. Hello. And Ian. Good evening. Good evening. It is a much better evening than the last time we recorded a podcast, and that is largely because we are coming off of the heels of a 20-13 Broncos victory. 20-13 over the Miami Dolphins. Now, here, here's, here's something that is, that is pretty, pretty important. This is the second game. So, uh, Drew Locke, I do, I, you know, as a starting quarterback, he's got a winning record as a starting quarterback. However, this is only his second game that he's got a, a win against a team that had a w- winning record at the time that they played. Uh, so, that's pretty important. And uh, um, overall... Uh, we all, I think, all three of us pre- felt pretty good about this game. A lot of different takes here. Uh, a lot of things that we want to talk about and hit on. We ran the ball well, uh, threw the ball pretty efficiently. Uh, certainly didn't light the world on fire. Obviously, had the interception on the first drive, uh, but the efficiency was 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 there for the most part. And so, uh, and and great defense, great defensive game plan against Tua. And uh, ended up seeing Ryan Fitzpatrick come in later this game. That's usually a good sign when you can, when you can get the opposing quarterbacks uh, benched in a game. So definitely a good sign. Hey Kevin, uh, we missed you last week. Congratulations, uh, being a new father to uh, good old Lucas Calvin Lucas. Etheridge. Yes. Um, let's turn to you first. Uh, certainly, if you have any anything you want to say in that regard. Uh, first, uh, do that. But yeah, let me just get sure. your thoughts on on this game. All right, I'll give you a little overview. So I tell you what, as an NFL fan, and I guess particularly a Broncos fan, I mean, you can get whiplash following this team. I mean, from the Oakland, <laughs> That's I so mean, true. the Las Vegas yeah. Raiders debacle, where there wasn't yeah. a single redeeming quality in that team on that field mm-hmm. in Las Vegas. It was dreadful. To then just seven days later, beating a good hot Miami Dolphins team that was uh, had five, won five games in a row and had his yeah. hot rookie quarterback. It's amazing. Uh, same team, same coaching staff, you know, go figure. But, yeah, we definitely have some things to be happy about uh, this week. And it's not to say that we couldn't find any fault or problems uh, in the Broncos' uh, win over Miami in their, in their performance. But, yeah, that's true with every NFL game, you know, or football game at any level, I guess. But, you know, given the fact that, you know, Miami had won five games in a row, had a hot rookie quarterback, you know, and we start off with Locke throwing an interception, 0 for 6. Uh, the team could have just collapsed at that point. Yet Locke yeah. – Locke it, it was a bad start. And mm-hmm. by the way, here, here's a weird take, right? It's actually to our advantage that there were only 5,700 people in the stadium as opposed to 78,000. Can you imagine <laughs> how the team would have turned on uh, Locke and the offense in the After first the quarter? After the last few games and it, then starting that it way. It would have been brutal. But, you know, but they battled back. And, and I got to say that the credit largely goes to Pat Schumer. And we've been beating him up. Everybody's been beating him up. But he, Absolutely. his game plan helped produce the best offensive performance we've seen all year. This is the same Pat Schumer who has faced relentless criticism for his unimaginative play calling, predictable schemes. But somehow in this game, he had a great game plan. 
And, mm-hmm. you know, we've been waiting for some new wrinkles in the running game. We got them, and the running game we exploded. They, they uh, paid off, yeah. You know, if we can't run, we can't win. This offense is predicated on a good running game to set up play-action pass, especially yeah. when you got a quarterback, and I still think of him as a rookie, trying to learn the game. We need a running game, and we got it. So I think we ended up with 33 carries, fairly evenly sp- split between our two backs for like 189 yards that is big time production so i would say i would say this is the most satisfying one of the year coming off the most disappointing loss of the year and probably the worst loss of in the fangio era this may be one of his best victories and this Mm -hmm. is a game the only game in memory certainly this year where i feel like we were strong in all three phases I mean, the, our coaching staff put on their big boy pants, and they thoroughly outcoached the Dolphins. We, yeah. we won that game with our preparation and with our schemes. We killed it. And the Dolphins, you know, I think statistically speaking, they're an okay defense, not dominant, but, but they're a, a good defense this year in terms of allowing the fewest points. I think they're in the top five in the NFL. We clearly could have put up 30 or 34 points. You know, if we didn't uh, fail on the fourth and one in the red zone, if, if Gordon didn't fumble on, on, on the goal line, you have some interesting stats in terms of the number of yards uh, that we produced on offense compared to the, mm-hmm. our defensive effort. But, yeah, I mean, credit Pat Schumer, credit the offensive line. They didn't give up a single sack uh, in the game. That's great. And, yeah. uh, and, and the Broncos had six sacks <clears throat> on the Miami quarterbacks. And as you said earlier – uh, two seven, on. if you include the one on on Fitzpatrick. Okay, so yeah, we had six on two, and then seven. In, six on two, yep, a seventh on seven in total. And by the way, at seven, and the Dolphins, year to date, had only given up fourteen total sacks in nine weeks. We get seven sacks in one game, so really phenomenal. And, and the last thing I, I would say, and I'll turn it over to Ian, but you know, we talk about three phases. And the special teams, it's been a rough year for the special teams. Every week they're that's, screwing it, something that's up. That's for sure. It has been it's been painful horrible. to watch at times. Um, mm-hmm. The special team has been costing us field position, costing us points. But this was a good game for the special teams unit, especially Sam Martin, our punter. This guy is <clears throat> turning out to be a great free agent acquisition. Um, Absolutely. So you have Jaheim, I think that's how you say it, Grant, the punt returner from Miami, who's one of the best in the league, he's returned. Grant, yep. Yeah, he's returned five um, returns. He's had five returns for touchdowns in his career. He's the only guy who re- returned a punt this year for a touchdown, 88 yard or against somebody. So you had Martin averaged over 50 yards a kick, and you look what he was doing. He, he uh, Grant never had a chance to return the ball because Martin is directionally kicking. Andy's kicking for distance. It's not so – it's very hard it's to do. Start. It's hard to do that. And generally speaking, you're going to shank one that maybe goes 20 yards or so. But the guy was a pro. He was pinning him deep, and Grant could not get his game going because he didn't have a returnable punt. So kudos to uh, our, our offense and the game plan put together by Schumer. The defense, somebody else can talk about it, phenomenal. Uh, but even special teams came to play this this week, so it was great all-around effort. 
Hallelujah. The the uh, the defense, so that we did get those seven sacks, and you know what's great is we got pressure, but a lot of those were on four-man rushes, and a lot of them were coverage sacks. A lot of them were sacks because of the coverage holding up on the back end or confusing the young quarterback and Tua. So, uh, yeah, all around agree with agree with just about all your points there. Ian, go ahead. Um, yeah, kind of want to step into where he was talking about, um, Pat Schumer. Um, from what I heard, they're pulling plays from like the 1960s. I heard that too. Pulling guards, Green Bay Packers. Mark Shraleth was on 104.3 of the fan this morning, because I watch it every morning or listen to it every morning at work. He said he's been covering the league for 20 years. He was in the league for 12 years, and he said he'd never seen half the plays the Broncos came up with when they were running the ball. He's wow. Like, he's like, I've never seen that. He's like, I've never seen that, 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 those plays. I mean, it was very effective because, I mean, I think what Lindsey had – 15 carries 82 yards and that includes three nothing nothing carries to burn out the clock you know yeah i mean almost split for split i think 60 uh melvin 16 Garden for 84 yeah great i mean both over five yards of carry mm-hmm. um yeah the the fumble was kind of depressing because that's we'll a get touchdown. To that we'll get to that later <laughs> but uh the de- the defense uh justin simmons pay this man pay the man he oh. th- that was a statement game, that was a statement game. He's got should've, four interceptions, and we're you know just over half. Should have had two. Should have had yeah. two. If it wasn't had for the that, one uh, called back on the first drive. Mm-hmm. They looked the defense as beat up as they are. They look, especially against them, looked really good. Mm-hmm. That you bench your hot to a rookie starter. Yeah, it's it's crazy. And then you put in you know Fitz Magic, which ended up. For them being Fitz tragic, uh, mm. oh, yeah, he looked he, good. He gave, I mean, he, he gave me a scare. That's for sure. I think he gave every Bronco fan a little bit of a scare, but yeah. you know, threw that pick in the middle at the end. So he tends to throw picks sometimes. But um, yeah, I mean, he he was kind of hand, handcuffed there. But yeah, I mean, offensive Hallelujah. line looked great. Good. Play on Justin Simmons. Yeah, offensive line looked good. Uh, Dalton Reisner looked good again. Uh, he's back. He's kind of, kind of back, kind of Looking back good again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Demar Dotson looked good. Uh, God, he's Bulls an upgrade good. over serious. We've had a hundred percent. Yep. Everyone else. We had Rogers there. We had Calvin Anderson, Elijah Wilkinson. Dotson's better than all of them. So agreed. agreed. No right. matter what Elijah Wilkinson's status may be week to week, it needs to be Dotson. Go ahead. Drew Locke looked good, except for the first, you know, six throws. Um, <laughs> yeah. he, he looked really good. Uh, K.J. Hamler looked good. He's starting to emerge as, a, as an actual weapon. Yeah. Uh, and he should. He's a second-round pick. Uh, Jerry Judy looked good. And then my boy Tim Patrick always looks good. Yeah, he uh, looked good, too. He got a lot of, he got a lot of uh, His numbers were that, inflated on a... <laughs> on that garbage play, dude, at the very end of the game. 61 yards. I was like... I didn't think they were going to complete that pass. I thought they didn't just... try to. They weren't. No, even it just happened. To. It just happened. Yeah. <laughs> they were trying to throw it out of bounds, and Locke didn't throw it enough to the sideline. <laughs> like it was almost like the like obviously different circumstance, but like how Brett Rippon didn't throw that ball far enough uh, out of bounds. Out of bounds got against picked. the Jets. It was the same kind of thing, except this one ended up being in his Working. favor, of course. Um, 
I thought he was about to. I thought he was about to run that for a touchdown. I'm like, are you kidding? I me? thought he was too. I was. I was like, I was pretty hype about that. that but was, overall, I just like it was a good. It was a good team win. Like Kevin, all three phases played well, which has not happened once this year. Mm-hmm. So um, overall, I mean, it was a game that none of us were like, man, this team's hot, and their defense is probably one of the scarier defenses we played against, and. We didn't look like we struggled too hard on with them. Really, They're a good honestly. defense and and just a good team overall. Good yeah, team exactly. overall. Exactly. And, and they had been they had been they had been above average in all three phases for over a month for five you know five straight games. You know, making the switch from Ryan Fitzpatrick to Tua was obviously a very bold move. They had to do um, it. They, they had to do it. Fitz, Fitz, I mean, uh, Tua only had 83 yards passing through three quarters. No, 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 no. I'm talking. I'm talking about in the season when they moved from Fitzpatrick. Oh, to I got Tua, you. Yes, yes. When they switched to the starting quarterback role. No, I. Yeah, I, I can't necessarily disagree. I don't necessarily disagree with the call to get Fitzpatrick in there, especially your team. You're, you're, you know, the, the Dolphins are in the race for the AFC That's right. East. Yep. You know, they would have been. Had they won this game, they would have been tied with the Bills. That throw so, to that throw to um, I can't even be mad at AJ Boye. That throw to Devontae Parker at the in the back of the, at the very oh, beginning just, of the game. You can't do anything about it. That's I one of those. Like, that's unguardable. <laughs> that's one of those where it's just like the ball's in a perfect spot and the receiver makes a ridiculous catch. That's one of the ones that like. Look, I'm not Boye, even mad. Boye has been okay for us. Yeah. Yeah, he hasn't been terrible. He hasn't been great. He's he doesn't look like a true number one. So I think we've, we've talked about that before. Yeah, we're definitely a better team at least this year with him on the field. But he's been average. But that that one was not bad coverage. You know no, that was not bad. Coverage. Not at that all. was not anything on him. That was just an unbelievable throw and catch. I almost um, had a slow clap after that one. I was like, yeah, it's just like. All right, yeah, you just tip your cap. Great you know, football there's, play. There's some, there's some times where you just you just tip your cap because the other guy yeah. made a made a hell of a play. Um, obviously, one of the big talking points we is you know week in and week out during this evaluation phase is always going to be Drew Locke. But before we get to you know kind of diving into his performance a little bit more, I, I I want to we've talked about Pat Shermer, and we've we've roasted Pat Shermer on this show. And rightfully so. Rightfully so. But we're not unwilling to give credit where credit's due. And this game, he deserved a lot of credit for the game plan that he put together for them. And almost rewriting your entire running game playbook in a week for this game is, that's bold. That's bold for, for a offensive coordinator to do. And it was it was finally a sign that Shermer was willing to Play to the strength of his team as opposed to trying to force his scheme or what have you. The strength of his team is running. And we talked about it. Ian, you and I talked about it in last week's episode. Yep. We talked about we got two pro bowlers in the backfield and we're just hardly even using them. You know, and we have yeah. you know, Phil Blinsey's the heart and soul of the of the offense and coming off of two Pro Bowl campaigns, two thousand yard seasons. And he gets four carries. You know, it was just like it was a crime that should have been punishable by death. By 
Well, <laughs> good God that escalated. <laughs> um, but should have been punishable to the highest extent of the law, at the very least, you know? Um, and guess what happens? They use him, they give him the ball, and, I mean, in this game, it looked like he was breaking it for 10 yards at least, 10-plus yards every, like, third carry. And that's what he does. And Melvin Gordon, he looked good. Finally looked good, okay? Ian, I, Kevin, I don't know if you got a chance to listen to last week's podcast, Didn't. but we're talking about Melvin Gordon, how we quote-unquote thought he looked good against the Raiders when he was just completely mediocre at four yards a carry and how bad, how you know, how we've gotten used <clears throat> to him being mediocre or we've gotten used to him being sub th- four yards a carry that when he gets to that league average number, we're like, oh, he looks good. But this game, he actually looked good. He actually yeah, looked I, good. I, I, I would, I would Broke say, a lot of tackles. Yeah, Go ahead. I would, I would Broke say, a lot I of tackles. Would, more than would, Lindsay in this game. Yeah, I, I think he's a – I mean, if you think about the uh, the tandem we have, they're two very different backs. So I, I think he's actually oh, a nice – He's a nice compliment because uh, – to Lindsay. He's a nice compliment to Lindsay because he's a hard runner. He breaks a lot of tackles. And what doesn't show up on the stat sheet for – for Gordon is his pass blocking ability, and I think he's considered his pass blocking is the best. He, on the team. He's considered one of the better pass blocking blocking backs, and boy, do we need that with our offensive line. Notwithstanding mm-hmm. a good performance this last week, and, he, and he's a good mm-hmm. pass catcher out of the backfield. The the issue with, with with Gordon is you know what we saw here. The guy plays great, it, but he he's got to stop putting the ball on the ground. I mean, I love the second effort. I love the third effort. He's a powerful back, but he has shown a propensity during his career to put the ball on the ground a little too much. And then you look at Philip Lindsay, completely different style back, but Lindsay's been in the league for two years plus, what, 10 or 11 games. He's never lost a fumble. So Gordon just has to be more aware of ball security. Um mm-hmm. And hopefully he gets that fixed. And if he does, we have mm-hmm. a dynamic uh, duo, and they were used well in tandem this past week. They were week. used correctly in this game. And to your point, that's 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 been Gordon's issue, uh, even going back to Wisconsin, has been fumbling issues. Um, and and I, I'm, I'm one of the guys who – I don't think Melvin Gordon's a bad back. I just think he's overrated. He is a good compliment. He's a great – pass blocker in the uh in you know in the third down obvious passing situations catch the ball in the backfield he can break some long ones he's great goal line he's a he's a nose for the end zone when he holds on to nose the ball. for the end zone yeah and so 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 no part of you know i think sometimes I, I i give off the wrong message and it's you know my own fault uh but by no means do i think melvin gordon is a bad running back he's just i think he's overrated well, if he helps because, us win, that, that's all that really matters. And yes, he's overrated. But, I, I, his salary, he's probably overpaid. He underrated, overrated. The only thing that really matters is is he helping us win? And he helped us. He's helping us win in a lot of ball games. But the ball security issue is a big one. He's got to get it fixed. Yeah, I mean, and that and that and that could have cost us the, this game. You know, uh, if 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 not for Justin Simmons interception you know we could be looking at a tie game going into overtime um with momentum definitely out of our favor here's here's the thing melvin gordon 
Melvin Gordon has four fumbles uh, with the Broncos just this year. Four lost fumbles with the Broncos just this year. He has 141 total touches as a Bronco. Four fumbles. Phil Lindsay, no fumbles in 558 total <laughs> touches. That is a an NFL record to start a, to start a career uh, to have 558 <laughs> carries or touches with no fumbles. That's Even ridiculous. more so, Phil Lindsay, you have to go back four years to get to his last fumble because he didn't fumble the last two years in college either. He does not fumble the ball. Um, he he just doesn't. Um, he doesn't fumble the ball. Uh, no matter what you do, and it's 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 crazy because he's you know a lot of times you think about big backs and you think the power backs are the guys who probably have better ball security, but you know this is just one of those cases where you know Phil Williams is a little bit smaller guy, runs with a lot of you know fire and uh, passion, and you know for whatever reason it it works out for him. That's that's one of his big thoughts is is ball security, and and the Broncos are six and zero in the last six games. When Philip Lindsay has had 15 or more carries during his career, Denver is 10 and four. When Lindsay carries ball 15 or more times, you just got to keep feeding him the ball. Got to feed Phil and using Melvin Gordon as in the way they did in this game as a good compliment. This game splitting it right down the middle was the perfect game plan because they were they were running the ball over 50 percent of the time, 50 percent of the plays this game. That's what it uh, looked. That's that's what it should look like. I, that's I what it should look like. Right there. That's what it should look like. Uh, I do advocate. I'm just going to. I advocate that with uh you know without having the ball security issues. And I think we kind of saw it after that fumble. They put Lindsey in the late game situation to make sure that uh, that wouldn't be an issue again. Um, but yeah. I think I think Lindsey probably should be getting a. a Slight, and I and I, I've made this argument for maybe sixty forty sh- is where I think the split should be, um, because Lindsey has the better breakaway ability. Not to say that Gordon doesn't. Gordon obviously he showed it in this game. He does have some breakaway ability, um, but he's third in the league at five point four yards per carry, um, behind only Dalvin Cook. We all know about and Dalvin Sanders, Cook, right? And Miles Sanders, and Sanders has been, yeah. uh, you know, he's obviously had. Injury issues. Injury issues this year, so not as big of a sample size. But um, he's third in the league, or third in the league in yards per carry. Uh, He breaks more runs, and he doesn't fumble the ball. So, other than obvious passing situations, the split should lean in Lindsey's favor, even beyond, you know, especially including his fire, his passion, his ignitability, and his leadership. He's grown as a leader in this locker room as well. Um, but running game looked great. That's all to say the running game looked great. I loved the stunts they were using, pulling Garrett Bowles from the, the left to the right, pulling Dalton Reisner from the left to the right. Uh, man, that was working against this defensive front all game, and it looked great. So let's turn our attention to Drew Locke, and I want I don't want to take the lead <coughs> on this. Um Ian, I know Ian for sure is is aware of my thoughts on Drew Locke and mm-hmm. uh and this game he you know as I as I stated in the opening our passing game looked a lot more efficient this game which was which was big to see other outside of the you know bad start uh the the passing game started to uh become very efficient throughout the rest of the game so mm-hmm. so Ian we'll let you uh lead on this one uh just give me your thoughts on 
on Drew Locke in this game in particular, um, and whether or not you think it's you know it's a it's it's a sign of things to come. Well, he actually stepped up in the pocket multiple times in this game. You and you and I messaged each other when yeah. we saw that. We're like, that's that's, that's a big deal. What I want to see. I, yeah, I, I get the bootlegs and the rollouts and all that stuff, but I want a quarterback that can feel the pocket, step up in it, because when he when he gets both of his feet set, and he and that dude can chuck the ball, and he's accurate, and he's accurate, it, and he's accurate yeah. in the middle of the field. Mm-hmm. I, until somebody develops like off in the off season, I try to stay away from the outside because he really has to. He really has to figure out how to throw the deep ball, like consistently. Because I mean, mm-hmm. there was a couple of them where I was just like. Six feet over the head, uh, which is the weird one, because the, that's that's actually just been more of a recent struggle, right? Exactly. He's been good at that. The happy feet to Troy you know. Fumagalli. Remember that the happy oh, feet. Yeah, to, happy oh feet. man, because you know he would that <laughs> dude had a straight shot to the end zone. Easy end zone. Easy end zone. Uh, nobody remember, even on that side of the field. Nobody, and he threw it four feet over his head. <laughs> it wasn't even close. And I'm like. He's only eight yards away. Yeah. <laughs> the dude's right there, just underhanded to him. Right, yeah. Softball that thing over Mahomes would have underhanded that ball. Yeah, he probably would have. He would have got it. Yeah, oh, yeah. But... Oh, yeah, he would have thrown it between his legs or something. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but no, he he looked good. I, I still wish. Yeah. Some good, he had some good throws and some good reads. Great throws. Sure. I mean, I'm talking about those, those crossing routes like the Judy. And uh, to Tim Patrick and stuff like that. Even he had though, a big one to KJ Hamler. On to KJ Hamler, and I like I like this little dude. I like KJ Hamler. Good second round pick so far. <laughs> so far, pretty good. Uh, hope he gets stays as durable as he has the last couple of games. Mm. Um, I saw him actually make reads. I I saw his head move. I, oh yeah, uh, my goodness, uh, Kevin. He made his head move. <laughs> I saw his head moving from one side to the other, and it was it was it was nice. It was nice to see him not nice stare down his first read. Uh, so I, I, that, overall, and, that, and that, you have to trust your pocket a little bit to do that too. Yes, you have to. Yeah, yeah cause, uh but I mean, coming from arguably his worst start of his NFL career last oh, week, by far his worst start. Yeah, he looked more like. Drew Locke from last year, when he, when he made a mistake, he kind of shrugged it off and he didn't make the mistake again. It like didn't, when he th- yeah, it didn't compound. Yeah, like, mm-hmm. uh, yeah like, like when he was playing the Raiders, it looked like he was just out of his element. And it wasn't like it was... Panicked like when, a lot. Exactly. Yeah. It wasn't like yet last year where it was like, oh, oh well, I made a mistake. I won't do that again. It was like he just was like he got over-focused or under... I, but it, it, it looked like when he threw, when he started off terribly and i remember watching and i was like yo here we go <laughs> yeah yeah here we too. go and then he just decided eh, i'm not gonna do that anymore and he he fixed some of his wrongs so yeah. I, I i give him a you know last week i gave him an f minus i give him a b plus i mean i still want to see some touchdowns and some you know i want to see him get the ball to the end zone yeah but i I I did I did like the game plan. The game plan was not for him to fling it all over the yard. Well, here's the uh, one thing. That's here's the, good. This here's the one thing. At this stage in his career, 
the Broncos aren't going to win games if him if he's throwing it 30, uh, 40 times a game. Mm-hmm. It's got to be 30-30. It's got to be 30 carries, 30 passes. It's got to yep. be almost split down the middle. And yep. If you're asking him to throw 40, 45 times, he, they're not going to win games. Mm-hmm. It's got to be 100% balanced football. And they did it. And yeah, and here's the thing. We're playing, uh, I think the best run defense in the Saints is coming week. Don't think- abandon the run when it's not working early. That's all I got to say to Pat Shermer. Don't just, abandon it. Just run, when run it's away not from Cam early. Jordan. Mm. That's, that's, that's a valid point. <laughs> you do want to steer clear of that guy. <laughs> yeah, he's a monster. Yeah, he is. Uh, Kevin. So, yeah, lock, lock, lock. So, I think that, you know, we saw a lot of the physical tools in this game that Mm -hmm. everybody obviously sees. It's Um, been there, yeah. It's been there. That's been a constant. Man, just watching a young quarterback mature can be painful. And it's clearly been painful watching him. Some highs and lows have been a real roller coaster. I think – yeah, I think Locke, you know, we're going to learn a lot over the course of the next well, – how many more games do they have? Six more games, maybe? Six, yeah. So, you know, what kind of – he has the physical tools, right? But what's his mental makeup? You know, how resilient is he? How tough-minded is he? How driven is he? What's his work ethic, right? And is he a true leader? You know, I – you know, fans, there's a lot of knee-jerk uh, – uh, reactions when it's when, when it's your quarterback right you, know, you can swing from one week the guy needs to be benched he's the worst quarterback ever the next week well you know maybe maybe he's got some play Let, let's give him some time and we just don't really know you know we just don't know what we have in him yet I think the organization um is probably fairly even keeled I mean they clearly have a lot invested in him they clearly want to give him the benefit of the doubt, give him more reps, and certainly the rest of the season to make an evaluation. So I think they're committed to Locke throughout uh, the season here. Um, And, you know, I think given enough time and support, right, a a quarterback, especially a young quarterback, can't do it alone, right? He's got to have the offensive line in the scheme. Um, I think he'll turn the corner and work his way through this. He's got a learning curve. So when I say work his way through this, you know, work through the bad picks, work through the bad decisions, the bad footwork, the peaks and valleys, and start to develop some consistency. You know, so instead of making 10 mistakes, 10 bad decisions in a game, let's cut it to eight. Let's cut it to six. Let's start making some incremental progress. Um, I think he has it in him, and I think the team and the organization is going to give him a chance to do it. They want a proper evaluation uh, on, on him. Um, you know, I think the when you look around the NFL, there's been so many rookie quarterbacks or young quarterbacks that have come in and really lit it up. So there's a tendency just to want this instant gratification. Well, we haven't gotten that out of luck, out of, uh, out of luck. Doesn't mean the guy's going to fail. He just may need more time and more support. So, you know, I think for the rest of the year, as I said, all signs point to the Broncos giving Locke the rest of 2020 just to see what they have. And then in January, I think they're going to evaluate his performance. Uh, You know, my gut is, barring some collapse down the stretch, 
you know, by Locke, where he's throwing multiple interceptions a game. Uh, I think they're going to go into 2021 with Locke as their starter. And then we can only hope that it's not another pandemic year. We have a normal offseason and training camp. We don't have a rash of injuries to start the season, including your number one wide receiver. Hopefully they shore up some offensive line depth in, in the draft. And resign Lindsay. Resign Lindsay. And <laughs> and continuity in the coaching staff. Well, I, I don't yeah. think I don't think we can afford to bring in another offensive coordinator, afford to change I, a head coach right now. Keep everybody here. We gotta keep everybody there and allow Locke to really get his head into the game. And then we'll see. Mm-hmm. And then we'll see if the guy's got it or not. But certainly you know, back to my earlier point, I mean, this guy has been beaten up every every which way, and he started this game so horribly. It was just an extension of the Raiders game. But he, he doesn't seem to give up. I like the resiliency. I like the fight. And that is an incredibly important characteristic for the leader of your team, right, the quarterback. So, anyway, mm-hmm. that's what I have to say. And good luck against New Orleans. And as you said, let's keep that running game going because that takes so much pressure off him and will help him develop in a more sort of incremental fashion. He's the anti-Jay Cutler. <laughs> oh, he, he, oh he, man. He doesn't drop his head. You don't see the negative body language. He's had lots of reasons to have negative body language. but Right, he, exactly. He, he, he seems to be mindful of his presence, mindful of his role on the team. Um, good stuff. What I don't know and I haven't read about is how hard a worker is he? You know, is he staying late? Is he studying film? Um, I heard he has. That's also a good sign. That's a good sign. If that's, I actually haven't heard either to, you know, but he ha- his character is resilient. Yeah. And that's big. And, and, and Ian, I stated on this, on this show last week that I would be surprised. I would be surprised at this point, based on what I have seen, uh, I would be surprised if Drew Locke ended up being the franchise guy. I unfortunately am in the same stance. But I also am in the same stance that he should continue to start the rest of the way because we have seen guys rebound from these things before. I would still be surprised, but it would be a pleasant surprise, of course. Based on what I've seen, I've seen... Uh, too much of the mental deficiency in terms of being able to read the defense, which he did in this game. Um, and, you know, a regression back to, you know, we've seen him at times in his career, in his very short career, where he's able to step up in the pocket and deliver good throws. But then, you know, things are not going good. He starts drifting again. He starts throwing off his back foot again. And kind of just, again, it is it is not undoable. It is not, none of these things are things that cannot be fixed. So I'm not saying definitively Drew Locke is not the guy. I'm just saying, based on what I've seen, I, I, I think I would be surprised if he ended up being a f- true franchise guy. I'm not talking about a, you know, three to four year, fr- you know, starter, you know, where you're not sure. And a Mitch Trubinsky, end up something better than you that. Know, or even like, or even like a you know, Jameis Winston puts up a ton of yards. He's the guy, three or four yards or three or four years, and they move on from him. I'm not talking. I'm talking about like I'd be surprised if he ended up being the true franchise guy. That's right. So, so that distinction, I I feel like I should be, uh, I should be making. But, but positive, more positive than negative in this game. Oh, hundred um, percent. And that's and that's you know, Kevin, exactly what you're saying. Just these incremental. We we just have to see that progress. Yep. And my tune, 
I am more than willing to change my tune if I see it become consistent progress. We want not we, progress we, and regression. We, 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 we need to see uh, Austin. We'd love to see Austin eat crow live on one of our podcasts. Oh, I. That'd be I awesome. would willingly, <laughs> willingly, again, just I would be surprised, but obviously I am, I am hopeful that he will be the guy, even if I'm. We can all agree on that. But I mean, you, 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 you nailed most of the points. The, 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 the I progress, those, that the little incremental progress is what we need to keep seeing, yep. as long as he can continue making those the progress, as opposed to making progress and then regressing, then. My tune will change, you know. My tune will change by the end of the year. He's because obviously, because obviously, I mean, when going into next year, I, I I'm kind of like on what what Kevin's thinking. I think you know, unless it, there's a complete meltdown, I think they go into next year with him as as the as the starting quarterback. You, get, you have a full off season. You have a full, you know, OTAs and all that training camp. Get your guys back continuity i mean this guy's already got six playbooks in his head the guy's got to be getting confused at some point a little bit um it's <laughs> a lot of playbooks yeah um just continuity not just always oh this doesn't work so we'll just throw it out and all this kind of stuff you know just you know have like because i mean this is a, this is this was a, a weird year i think you need a, a, another full like an actual full year of everything going right and at the end of that year that's where you evaluate Drew Locke, because I don't. I really would not want to go into next off season talking about. Oh, are we going to trade draft picks to get Trevor Lawrence, or are we going to go for uh, Fields or the guy from North Dakota State? Well, and listen, you know, the, the Broncos would clearly like to use a first round draft pick on a cornerback or an offensive lineman or a linebacker. You know, second round draft I feel like pick. You yeah, gotta the, go. O-line. Yeah. The, so I don't. Yeah, I think that's their mindset. I think they're going to give them another year, barring the meltdown that that right, could, exactly. that could happen. Right? You just, we just don't yeah. know. But um, but man, oh man, I feel so much better uh, with the uh, the offensive line, and maybe Schumer is trying finally figuring this out, getting on the same page with Locke. I mean, those some really positive signs this past weekend. Hundred percent. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, and I think I think. The biggest one being the rebound ability yep. uh, to start the game as poorly as he did and to be able to rebound and not let that you know, cuz you know last few games the poor plays continued all the way through the third quarter at least <laughs> um whereas this time you know after the first couple drives we were able to rebound and 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 start to move the ball uh and move the ball I mean we moved the ball I mean this is um uh, we we this is actually per Andrew Mason. It's kind of a good note, just based on the offense. Sunday's game marked the first time since November first of twenty fifteen. This is a game we actually held uh, Aaron Rodgers, Green Bay Packers to I I think it was like fifty three passing yards or something. Like I remember that, that game. Like that. Yeah, I remember that game um, too. It's like a Monday so night or this is the first time since that game the Broncos gained at least 450 yards while also allowing fewer, fewer than 225 yards on the same day. Denver is 24 and 0 all time in that scenario. But this is the this is only the third of those 24 games decided by 7 points or fewer. Um mm. <laughs> Yeah, and that's, you know, the fumble at the goal line, the the failed fourth down. That was a, that was a touchdown. You know, you know, so those kind of things. I mean, the fact that it was a seven-point game, it could have been, you know, you give yourself 
two two more yards, you know, one yard in each of those scenarios, we could be looking at a completely different uh, scoreboard. That would have put the that would have put the game away. Oh yeah, well that would have well, been a touchdown, and oh, then the failed over. fourth down conversion. We were already in field goal range, so we you know hypothetically at least get a field goal out of that drive. Mm-hmm. Um, couple notes. Uh, the last play. So just kind of speaking, you know, final thoughts on Drew Locke. <laughs> Um, his completion percentage on that last play went up from 58 to 60%, and his passer rating on that one play, which was, <laughs> again, a throw that was meant to go out of bounds, went from 68.6 to 75.7. <laughs> That's a big on jump. That one play, because uh, he finished 18 of 30 um, for 270 yards. Prior to that play, it would have been... It would have been 17 of 29 for 209 yards, uh, and and the pick, of course, but mediocre. Um, immediate, yeah, and and it's you know kind of like what we saw last year, where the balance was there and he was efficient when he needed to be efficient. Didn't light the world on fire, you know. Was average or you know slightly above average uh, for most of the game, but didn't make the the costly mistakes. Um, like some of the other games this year, namely the Raiders game. Um, his QBR, his total QBR for the year is now 41.4. Now, it's important to note the QBR is different than passer rating. That's a different scale. Um, so 41.4 is not the same as saying a 41.4 passer rating. Um, but 41.4 is unfortunately pretty bad. But uh, but we just need to see these incremental... incremental uh, Upgrades, you know, incremental, uh, you know, progression, progressions. Yes. Thank you. I don't know why mm-hmm. I couldn't think of that. Um, so yeah, moving on, moving on. So th- that's our kind of our thoughts on drew lock and the offense, the offense kind of turning around, uh, defense. We, we touched on for the most part, it looks like Shelby Harris has a chance to be back this week against the saints. I think that will be huge, um, in trying to stop and trying to contain, uh, Taysom Hill. Mm-hmm. Uh, who you know surprisingly is the current starter for the Saints with Drew Lock or not Drew Lock but um, Drew Brees being injured. Um, one development that I found that was interesting on this defense defense looked great in this game. I mean looked great in this game. Um, one interesting development that I posted in our group chat uh, that I kind of wanted to get your guys' thoughts on just kind of briefly before we move on. Um, our cornerback room, or our oh, corners, yeah. looked a little bit different. Obviously, A.J. Boye, Bryce Callahan, they're kind of the staples as long as they're healthy. And Bryce Callahan playing like one of the best corners in the league this year. Um, Isang Bassi, undrafted rookie, was the guy that, uh, that saw 83% of the snaps in this game. Michael Ojemudia, obviously our third-round pick, and Devontae Bosby, who were I know all three of us are pretty high on. Combined for zero defensive snaps, they both played a little bit on special teams, but zero defensive snaps. You guys think this is a game plan thing, or is this a uh, kind of what 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 we should expect moving forward? That OJ Moody, our third round pick, is kind of outside well, looking in. I, I, he I, must have done something wrong. Well, I I, hmm. I would tell you this one of the, one of the reasons I love you know, pro football and pro sports in general, it's the ultimate meritocracy, right? Uh, guy, <laughs> yeah. Guys play 
ahead of other guys, not because they're the owner's son or the school they went to or who their parents are. It's, it's because they're better, right? So you have Denver Broncos coaching staff that has umpteen decades of defensive experience, including our head coach, who's generally considered one of the greatest defensive minds in the game Can't right now. Him. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so these guys know a lot more than I do. Uh, about the merits of these defensive backs. And I love the fact that Bassey is playing. He's getting the, the playing time even though he wasn't drafted. And, and I shot a note to you, Austin. You know, wouldn't it be great if this guy ends up being Chris Harris Jr. number two? I mean, it's a very similar yeah, that'd story. That would be great, man. But, you know, Everyone, he, you know my, that's one of my favorite players of all time. So Yep. So, uh, so he has leapfrogged a bunch of guys to get a lot of playing time. That tells me yeah. they, they trust him. He knows what he's doing. And I think he's going to continue to receive the bulk of the playing time until proven otherwise. And uh, it doesn't mean that Michael Ojemudia is a, is a bust or a bad player. I think he's just being outplayed right now by a guy this we just didn't expect to see at this point in the season as a starting corner. So I think, I think it's a good well, story. Nice story. <clears throat> Yeah, and it's and it's well, and the I think the biggest reason it's interesting. And of course, we we see the games on Sundays, but we don't we don't see all the practices. We don't see the game planning and and the work that these guys put into it um, beyond what we see on the field on Sundays a lot of the times. But the way that we had seen it is OJ Moody had played pretty well for the most part. Obviously, had some uh, tough games early on, but had played pretty well up until the Falcons game. And uh, then he was gone. And then he hasn't played a single defensive snap in two games. And the adverse is true with Bassey, that Bassey did not look good. I remember when uh, when he was playing, and they ended up pulling him for Devontae Bosby, and then Bosby started playing really well. So Bassey, you know, Isang Bassey was a guy that was playing a little bit early, quite, quite a bit early on um, with A.J. Boye injured. Right, it was it was uh, Ojemudia and Callahan kind of being the number one and two. Bassey was playing the slot, and then he wasn't doing well, and they ended up playing Devonte Bosby instead, and he actually was an upgrade at that time. So it's just kind of interesting to see that shift, to see that uh, the guy that wasn't playing well has now suddenly taken over. You know, if you're a, if you're a nickel corner in the league, you're basically a starter. Well, you know, and, and listen, Bassey is a rookie, right? So rookie cornerbacks aren't really supposed to play well. They're supposed to get burned, be out of position. Uh, it's a very tough position to learn, like most NFL positions are, but especially cornerback, I would think. So mm -hmm. uh, it, it may just be that his learning curve and his ability to grasp what he's supposed to be doing uh, has started to show itself in practice and on the field and not so much with uh, Ojemudia. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I th and and we got to we got to defer to the coaches because at you know your your point, <laughs> they're a lot smarter than us, and it's not even a comparison uh, when it comes to you know choosing these players and and playing playing the player that they think they should be playing. Um, it was just an interesting interesting yeah. thing because I I think we all agreed that Ojemudia looked a lot better, you know, for most of the season up until this point. 
and now we're seeing a lot of Bassey. But hey, Bassey looked fantastic. He, he could be a real bright spot, a real yeah. bright spot for us so, going forward. You know, certainly no complaints here. You play whoever's going to be the most effective, um, by all means. Um, okay, so before I before we turn our attention to our um, kind of our preview, uh, short preview of the game against the Saints, um, I do want to do our weekly checkdowns segment. So, um, for any new listeners, checkdown segment is just where we just. Uh, take out a couple different uh, hot takes, a couple points we want to hit on that we don't want to spend really hardly any time talking about, but we feel are worth mentioning. But the first one that I want to turn to, we're actually going to give a little bit more talking point to, uh, just because we think it's a it's a big deal to the team, it's a big deal to uh, the Denver community. Uh, and Kevin, I'm going to have you kind of take lead on this, and that is the, uh, you know, after this game, uh, you know, typically in any win game balls are given out right and uh kevin go ahead and tell us who was this game ball given to after this victory okay so the game ball was given to a former denver broncos running back he's a hall of famer named floyd little now floyd little uh played for the broncos from 1967 to 1975 which was a very difficult period for the denver broncos i don't think they had a single winning season when Floyd Little was the running back. But Lloyd, Floyd Little was uh, a superstar, the, the only marquee player the Broncos had. He was the team's identity. He was the franchise. Uh, it's been written that if we didn't have Floyd Little, the franchise may have failed and moved from Denver. And there were discussions during his career of that happening. So he, he's suffering from um, uh, cancer. Uh, he's in a hospice, so he doesn't have much time. And you know, my, my memory of Floyd Little is um, not a whole lot. I mean, I, I first became a Broncos fan way back in the middle of the 1973 season. So the, the first full year that I followed the team as, uh, as a youngster was 1974. And like mm-hmm. my favorite player in 1974 uh, was Otis Armstrong, number 24. Otis Armstrong took Floyd Little's spot. Otis Armstrong came in, ran for over 1,400 yards, was an all-pro, I think as a rookie. might have been his second year in 1974. But wow. it, it, was the ha- it was the passing of the torch from Floyd Little to Armstrong. But I remember watching – Broncos that year. I remember I felt a little bit bad for Floyd Little because I know he had such a great reputation, but clearly the young guy came in and just took the spot from him. And then the following year in 75, you know, Floyd Little uh, ended his career with with the Broncos. So he's not a name you hear much of, but I think for, you know, true Broncos fans who who respect the history of the franchise, he really is a, a legendary figure. And I think it's so nice that a lot of the current players who clearly weren't even close to being alive back when Floyd Little played for the team uh, showed uh, respect for Little and clearly Fangio and the coaching staff and um, thought enough to give him the game ball. So really classy move and um, yeah. just just nice to see. Yeah. And uh, maybe I missed it if you, if you hit on this already, but... Uh, big reason Floyd Little, <clears throat> he's been battling cancer and uh, just entered hospice care uh, 
I think day before yesterday, maybe. Yep. Um, we're recording this on Tuesday, uh, the twenty fourth. So, so Here's yeah, just Sunday. just kind of a much deserved kind of you know gesture toward Floyd Little, who and, and a classy guy. I mean, go back, watch his oh, Hall yeah. of Fame introduction speech. Just humble, nice, great guy, cheerful disposition. Always been big in the community, a huge fan of the Broncos. Oh, he's remained visible uh, in the community. Yeah, he's remained retired. active. Yeah, kind of with the, the he's an OG Bronco and the team. He's an OG Bronco. Yep. Yeah, I mean, almost. You could, I mean, almost the, the original Bronco. OG Bronco. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, so just wanted to, you know, during our checkdown segment, just kind of give the appropriate uh, time for. Um, for that, you know, for Floyd Little, uh, God bless him. He is he is a Broncos legend uh, through and through. Uh, so the, for the first checkdown that I wanted to hit on, it's it's you know not something we need to spend a whole lot of time on, but Broncos. So obviously their offense looked a lot different in this game. Um, they used more two and three tight end sets to caffeinate the run game. Schlotman played some right guard. And defensively, Simmons, of course, was the Iron Man. But the point I wanted to hit on this, this is Troy Rank uh, with Twitter on Twitter, uh, is the, the the number of two and three tight end sets that we used in this game. Our three wide receiver set has has rarely been successful this year. Um, so I think that this is what we need to stick with. But two, and you know sometimes three, depending on the circumstance. Two and three tight end sets. Think will be good. Vanette even looked good in this game. Nick Vanette looked good in this game. Yes, he did actually. Yep, surprisingly. So glad to see it though. Moving on. Who wants to take the next one? I'll take one. Broncos activate Levante Bellamy off the IR and oh. wave Jake Rogers. I didn't even hear they had activated him. Yeah, it just happened about two hours ago. Um, Chad Jensen um, put posted that out there. Uh, and it, it, he's a great runner back undrafted out of Western Michigan. Mm-hmm. Guy led the led the entire United States collegiate players in touchdowns last year with 23. So he's a good good little guy to have behind, you know. Uh, Sounds like he's got the, other the end zone too. Yeah, we need we need end zones. I'd like to see zones. him get some P time, uh, playing time uh, later in the year, or maybe as early as this week. But particularly with the commitment to the running game, maybe, maybe it's not coincidental that they they're bringing him up. Yeah, I like it. I like uh, him to bring him because uh, he's been out for I don't think about five weeks or something like that. Yeah. Go ahead, Kevin. All right, so uh, Malik Reed. This guy is my newest hero. Another <laughs> undrafted player. Uh, yeah. Out of out of uh, Nevada, University of, of Nevada, and you know, mm-hmm. with Von Miller going down, boy, we're thinking, where are we going to find the pass rush from? Well, Malik Reed has stepped up. He had a sack and a half against the Dolphins. That's his third multiple sack game this season. He leads, and here's the check down. He leads all undrafted players in sacks this year at 6.5 sacks. At 6.5 sacks, he's tied with a gentleman named Kalia Mack, Bears. He's also tied with Bradley Chubb, not bad company. And he leads Shaq Barrett, someone who broke our heart when we didn't re-sign him. But he leads Shaq Barrett, former undrafted Bronco, and last year's Defensive Player of the Year, 
Shaq Barrett has only five sacks this year. So Malik Reed, great year, and I think um, is someone who has a tremendous future with us. I agree. Love seeing it, making the most of his opportunity right now uh, with Vaughn Miller, uh, unfortunately, on the IR. Um, real quick. Please keep so, him, though. Please keep him. Don't let him <laughs> do like Shaq You got to start keeping some of your guys. You got to start keeping some <laughs> yeah. of your guys. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so just quick quick correction on something. I said that it was Dalvin Cook and Miles Sanders uh, that were ahead of Phil Lindsay in the yards per carry. He actually, he actually passed Dalvin Cook. It's actually Nick Chubb and Miles Sanders that are – ahead of Phil Lindsay on the yards per carry. Uh, and Chubb been out half the year. <clears throat> exactly. So, again, <laughs> smaller sample sizes. Um, Drew Locke, this is per Andrew Mason. Drew Locke says that Phil Lindsay has grown as a leader in the past year. Uh, quote, him in the locker room, him in the huddle, from last year to this year, it's a completely different Phil. I actually, I actually ended up, earlier today, I listened to a mic'd up, segment of Philip Lindsay from the Raiders game. Now keep in mind the Raiders game he had four carries and they were getting destroyed. But in that mic'd up you could tell just by the way he was communicating with the players, the way he was getting them hyped up, he's a leader in that locker room. Um, even more than what we see on the field um, on any given Sunday. You know? I heard the same thing too. Yeah. Uh, go ahead, Ian. Yeah. Uh, Pete Manning Weirdly, is a semi-finalist for the Hall of Fame. <laughs> I wonder he if he'll just make skip it. The semi. <laughs> should he just skip that whole uh, process? How, how was how was Peyton Manning a semi-finalist? Him and um, John Lynch, two ex-Broncos, wow. semi-finalists. Yeah. I wonder if if he if Peyton Manning doesn't go unanimous. Somebody's gonna get shot. Who's the one guy? It'll be a sports writer from New England. You know, something <laughs> stupid like that. But, but, hey, but, by the way, Ian, and I can't remember if Austin, you enjoyed the series, but Peyton's places, season uh, two, November twenty ninth. I can't wait, man. That was musty viewing. I love that he, he is a natural, and I learned a lot about football in, in the first season. He covered a lot of ground. Me. Me too. Only reason I have ESPN Plus. Yeah, bingo. Me too. <laughs> so, <laughs> listen, I, I have uh, – I don't know if it's technically a check down, but it's, it's massive news for, for the franchise. Uh, the uh, NFL has come out with a new ownership policy, and, and I haven't read it, but, 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 but the general thrust of it is you have to have your ownership – in place with a majority owner who owns a certain percentage of the franchise. And right now, the Broncos are under control. It has to be an individual, not a trust. An individual, not a trust. And right now, it's under control of the Pat Boland Trust, trust, a three-person entity uh, that was empowered, um, you know, in, in Boland's passing until a successor was found. And now... You still have the ongoing uh, legal battles in the Boland family. I think it's principally between two of his daughters, Brittany and and Beth. And Mm -hmm. there's no end in sight. I mean, there's not even a court date. It was postponed until sometime next year. Um, And the NFL is going to start fining the Broncos $10 million a year until until they get the ownership straight. So this could force the team's hand. To sell the team. They may sell, yeah. Yeah, so it's a really sloppy situation. 
and we've talked about that. We've talked about this in earlier podcasts, but you know, w- without a leader, without an owner, that it falls to the Broncos CEO Joe Ellis, um, and he doesn't have the gravitas. Doesn't have. He's not an owner, right? So you know, we don't have any outside money being invested in the team. So, you know, some player contract negotiations presumably and reportedly have been impacted because there isn't enough cash on hand to complete some of these signing bonuses. And this may be one of the reasons we haven't been able to come to terms with the likes of a Justin Simmons. We have an owner, a Pat Bolin, who is win first. That's his mentality. You're going to sign a Justin Simmons. I'm certain of it. Mm -hmm. So... You know, this could be the best thing for the Broncos to force the ownership trust's hands to sell the team, to let them cash out, and hopefully bring in a strong owner with that has the the right leadership mindset to restore the winning culture that the Broncos have had for so many years. Yeah, and you've and you've talked about their leadership deficiencies uh, for the last, you know you know since Pat Bowen passed and even late in his years when he was struggling uh with uh Alzheimer's and whatnot um but yeah no I think you know we need a leader we need a leader we need an owner we need a leader and no matter what may have happened with Beth and Brittany Bolin um I wasn't confident that either one of them were going to be the the type of owner no. uh, that that no. you know the type of owner that Pat Bolin was like. So this absolutely may end up being a good as much as much as we didn't. I don't think anyone in Broncos countries wish to see it leave Bolin hands. Uh, those two daughters have kind of showed their hands, and uh, unfortunately doesn't doesn't look good in regards to. Uh, their competency to own or run a team. So uh, we'll move on from that. But yeah, that's definitely big note. Uh, last definitely. one that I want to hit on. Uh, Ian, do you do you have any more? No, I'm good. Okay, I got one more. This is pretty straightforward, pretty simple. Uh, it's just list. This is per Ruben Frank on Twitter. Fewest yards per attempt in the NFL. The minimum of 200 attempts. In order. It was Nick Foles, 5.95. Carson Wentz, 6.17. Daniel Jones, 6.35. Drew Locke, 6.59 per attempt. And then Joe Burrow, 6.65. All young guys, except for... All young guys, except for... uh, Nick Foles. Well, Nick Foles, Carson Wentz. eh. Carson Wentz, he had fourth year, so... Yeah, um, obviously he's had his injury... Uh, injury hit issues, and that's a bad team all around. But, yeah, yeah I, I mean, obviously we're just hoping for that number to improve. So that was checkdowns for this week. The last thing that we're going to talk about, last thing we're going to talk about is this game coming up Sunday against the New Orleans Saints. Arguably the best team in the NFC right now. Um, Drew they beat Brees. Tampa twice. <laughs> yep, they beat Tampa twice, and Drew Brees is injured. Taysom Hill comes in, starts, first career start. Looks pretty good. And they absolutely route the Falcons. Now, the score wasn't super out of control. I think the score was 24-9. to 
if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but if you watch the game, the game wasn't close. The New Orleans Saints defense is unbelievable. They had eight sacks on Matt Ryan in this game, and they currently have the best rush defense in the NFL. Which, of course, we just got we just got our hand back into running the ball consistently. Um, so I really, again, I said it earlier, Pat Shermer, do not stop running the ball if it doesn't work early. You got to keep running it. You got to stick with it. Um, it's a scary game. It's a scary game. Ian, both of you and I last week, uh, Kevin, obviously was not on the on the podcast last week, but you and I both felt bad going against the Dolphins. Didn't have a whole lot of hope about them winning the game, but by golly, they pulled it off. They won the game. What do you think the chances are that they're able to do it again this week against, you know, I think I think <clears throat> unanimous, unanimously is considered a, a better opponent. Um, Well, they got their hands full of Michael Thomas. That's 100% because we saw Taysom Hill target him a bunch of times in that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alvin Kamara, I mean, he's a hard dude to stop, especially out of the backfield as a as a catching running back, even more as even more than like a running running back. Um, I think for us, uh, I'm hoping Lattimore doesn't play, so we don't have to go up against him because they'll they'll put him on either Tim Patrick or Jerry Judy. He was out He's last good. week. He was out last week. It didn't really seem to matter. Um, yeah. And Matt Ryan is obviously a more accomplished quarterback than Drew Locke. Um, if they run the ball effectively like they did this week, I still think they lose. It's just their defense really stepped up when they didn't know what they I think they didn't know what they had in like Taysom Hill as like a actual like an under the center quarterback. Mm-hmm. And they really stepped up like like a whole by it was it was crazy. I was like, oh man, this is not gonna be fun if they look like that against you know, against us. Um I still think we we put up some points. I think um but we have to, like you were saying, we got to stick with running the ball. I mean, I'm talking about 30-30. Maybe run the ball more times than you throw. Like we did against the Dolphins. Exactly, and to open up for the play action. Mm-hmm. Just so, yep. and, and throw to the middle of the field more, because that's, that's where you're good. That's where you're good at, Mr. Drew Locke. Uh, indeed, and I agree with those points. And in addition, don't be afraid to use screens and draw plays to slow down the pass rush a little bit. Um, they got a good pass rush, and you have to be able to offset it a little bit and just yeah. make it so they can't pin their ears back. Uh, be willing to throw the screen and the draw. Uh, they work. Because Cameron good. Jordan, that's all he does is pin his ears back. Yeah, yeah, and and those plays work even if you don't get yards out of it every time. You get, it, you get the defense thinking about those plays so they can't <laughs> exactly. just pin it back and start – going all all or nothing on you so agree with you know your points there I think uh another another name is Emmanuel Sanders here this could be a revenge game we know we know just his mentality he's the type of player that he is he's gonna want to perform against his former teams uh you know especially especially the place where he had the most established part of his career 
you know, obviously True. he had he had decent years in in Pittsburgh, but no hundred yard where, games. No hundred yard games. Where he was the, uh, you know, that's where his career really shined. So you put you put Callahan on his butt. Yeah, I put Callahan on him. Uh, Taysom Hill did throw deep to Sanders multiple times. You remember he had he had that touchdown, deep touchdown to Sanders that got erased by a penalty. Um, I also so I saw that. I also they, saw that one ball that he threw up in the middle of the air, and then oh, and he had to come back for it. Yeah, <laughs> and that was he. I, I heard that Taysom Hill actually uh, asked Sanders, "He's like, hey, is that is that the worst pass you've ever seen, or what?" Hey, J- hey, Jets, uh, let me jump in here uh, real. Yeah, go real ahead. Quick, then I have to jump off. Um, and we're, it sounds like we're wrapping up anyway. So agree with everything you guys said. You know, this is uh, a, a game where we really need Fangio and Donatel to figure out how to slow this offense down. Uh, you know, yes, we're not going to see Drew Drew Brees, a Hall of Fame quarterback, but Taysom Hill, this guy is phenomenal. He's a running back who can throw the ball. Um, there's not a lot of film on him. Uh, he's, he's such a talented, athletic player. Um, I, I think he's difficult to game plan for. Um, you know, and, and, and as you guys pointed out, the Saints are a well-rounded team. I, I, I would say they're probably the, the best team right now in the NFC. Um, and, you know, they're, they're coming in into Denver um, on a roll. Uh, they destroyed mm-hmm. two, well, Tom Brady, Hall of Fame quarterback. Matt Ryan might be a Hall of Fame quarterback. So, man, oh, man, we, we've got a tall order. So, But I certainly feel more confident, more, a little more optimistic based on how well we played, especially defensively and with the running game. So, you know, this is a game where we absolutely need to protect the ball. No fumbles, no turnovers, yeah. uh, and maybe control the clock a little bit. And um, we're six-point underdogs. Uh, we were four-point underdogs to the Dolphins, and we mm-hmm. pulled that game out. So uh, my, yep. my prediction is um, I think we are going to fall a little bit short in this game, but I do think it will be competitive. I think we'll carry over uh, the momentum that we established against the Dolphins, and we'll give them a good effort. I think it will be relatively low scoring. Uh, I'm going to give it uh, Saints 20, Broncos 17. Thanks a lot, Kevin. I'm going to go guys. ahead and finish off uh, my thoughts on that, but Kevin – have a good night. We'll talk to you soon. We'll talk to you next week following following the Saints game. Following the All game right, guys. The Saints, so. Good night, everyone. Yep. Thanks. Bye-bye. Good night. Yep. Have, have a good night. Uh, so, yeah, I, good points Good points on, on his end as well. I think with Taysom Hill, you know, he kind of made the point. It's, it's going to be hard to game plan for Taysom Hill uh, because of the lack of film, number one. Um, and because of the type of player that he is, he can throw the ball. We saw, I think he was 18 of 23, so very efficient. Um, I think he's he more than a gadget player. Yeah, more than a gadget player. And I think he was second, uh, second for this week among quarterbacks in yards per completion. So he wasn't afraid to throw to like really let it rip when when it was there. I think when you're talking about game planning for him, I think the best guy that you can kind of look at to game plan similarly to it would actually be Cam Newton. Uh Cam they they are different. It's not to say they're the same, but they're both big guys. They both can run for those mm-hmm. tough yards. They can convert first downs with their legs, touchdowns with their legs. Um and at the same time they can both 
they can both sling it. Obviously, Cam Newton's fallen off a little bit the last couple of years, but in his he's prime, an, he, he. I feel like he's an uninjured version of Cam Newton. Yeah, that's that's actually a good good way to put it. Uninjured, uninjured both physically and mentally. <laughs> um, True. Uninjured, uh, <laughs> Cam Newton, and I think I think you would game plan for him similarly to you would game plan for Cam Newton. Now, here's what's good. Here's the good news is we got Vic Fangio and we got a young quarterback, at least experience-wise. He's 30 years old. But young quarterback in terms of experience, you can confuse him like you did Tua. You can. Now, I don't think it's I don't True. think you're going to be able to confuse him maybe to the same extent cuz he's he's around minds like Sean Payton and Drew Brees and he's been around those guys for years. So maybe not to the same degree. But I think you can still confuse him. You can still cause him to hold that an extra second, you know, cause him to actually force him to want to run it and keep your contain on the outsides. You got to be able to keep your contain with the defensive line, which I think it's going to be real important to have Shelby Harris back in this game. I really, he's missed three weeks because of COVID, uh, COVID related issues. And, uh, and there's a chance he's back this week. I think it's going to be huge for him to be back. Um, yes, it will be. And I think, and I don't think that you can just play man defense across the board because even if you play tight coverage, you can read it easier. Michael Thomas and Manuel Sanders, they're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna be able to beat us more times than we want them to. So I think you got to be able to brutal combo. The, what? That's a brutal combo. That's a great combination of yeah. wide receivers. Yeah, and then of course you got Jared Cook and Alvin Kamara out of the backfield. Latavius Murray is a good backup running back. Like. Like they got weapons all over the place. And so I think you gotta you gotta focus on confusing Taysom Hill more than trying to outplay one on one matchups with those guys. Because we do have rookies, we do have young guys, we do have a lot of our defense injured still. Um so I think that that's gonna be the biggest thing you can do in this game is to try uh and confuse Taysom Hill, keep him contained, like he did with Tua. Keep him contained and limit his escapability and mix up the coverages behind behind you. So I think that's the best thing we can do, at least when we're playing on the defensive side of the ball. Offensively, you just gotta stick with the run. You can't let you can't try to have Drew Locke just throw it all over the yard. I know that Saints have a great run defense and we're probably not it's gonna be painful to watch at times because they're a good run defense. They're the top run defense, and it's going to look unproductive at times. But the run game is something you have to stick with. You can't just bail on it when it's not working, uh, unless you get you know super far behind. But um, yeah, you got to stick with the run game. You mm-hmm. got to use the screens and the draws and the play action. Play action is not going to work if you don't run the ball. No, um, obviously. And and you just got to execute. I mean, I love that. Pat Shermer got real creative uh, in the run game this week and, and you know, came up with plays that none of these NFL teams have seen, uh, it, you know, since, you know, the 60s or 70s or whatever. Um, so creativity may go a long way in terms of uh, your blocking schemes and whatnot um, in the run game. So I think maybe we can get something there. I, d- I can't predict a win, unfortunately. Sean Payton, bro. Saints Saints are arguably the best team in the NFC. You know, there's a couple couple teams in that conversation. I think the Rams are in that conversation because of that defense. 
Uh, Seahawks because the offense. Yeah, they've fallen off a little uh, bit. They've fallen, fallen off, off a little, little, bit. little bit. I mean, obviously, we know they're going to be dangerous in the playoffs, but always are. Um, but yeah, I think I think Saints, Rams. I mean, Saints are mo- I think the most complete. Obviously, team. you got Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, but like they're they're in that conversation. Saints are in that conversation, and the Dolphins are a good team, and we're so glad that we beat the Dolphins. But it's different. They're not in the conversation of being the best AFC team. Um, and there's reason for that. I do think we have a better chance that it's not Drew Brees, uh, as old as he is. He has still been very efficient this year, leads the league in completion percentage. Um, I do think we have a better chance because of Taysom Hill and because of who our head coach is and his ability to confuse quarterbacks that Mm -hmm. uh, are inexperienced. So I think that gives us a better chance than I would have given us had two weeks ago playing. Yeah. Two weeks ago. Um, but I, I, I do predict a loss. I do predict it's going to be 24-14, Drew Brees, or not Drew Brees, but uh, Taysom Hill and the Saints. I think I'm going to go 24-21, Saints. I think we do kind of build upon the offense that we showed last week. Um, I mean, you never know. Unless our defense shows up, you can win with 21 points. Great. And that's what I'm saying. I know I'm predicting 24-14, and I, I don't think we're going to win this game, and I'm not going to try and get my hopes up. Um, but our, our defense looked really good last last week, and we're playing a, an inexperienced quarterback. So, I literally go into every week now. The possibility is, is certainly there. Like I, I go into every week now just being like, hey, we're probably going to lose, but if we win, I'm going to be super happy. Yeah. That's just yeah. where you got. I mean, you, you got the, you're the. Hey, we're playing. We're offense. playing a tough schedule now, too. Oh yeah. Oh oh oh. Another one. Uh, they moved the uh, the Bills game to Saturday. NFL December, Network. December nineteenth on NFL Network exclusively on NFL Network. Just interesting. Yeah, I did. Yeah, what was that for? I don't care. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I was just. I got an update on my phone. They're like, "Oh, they moved it to the 19th on Saturday," and I'm like, "Yeah, I saw that too." But why? So they had two games. Is two games on the Saturday? I got one on one at night too. I think. Uh, I could be yeah, wrong. I think, I, we're the four o'clock game. I think. Yeah, on there's Saturday. Two ga- there's two games on Saturday. There's a night game. Oh, there's after a game. That. Oh, there's a game after us. Uh, yep. Okay. Four o'clock East Coast. I'm on the Pacific time zone. That was one o'clock so, for you. One o'clock for me, but. Yeah, anything else you want to hit on before we uh before we close it up? We're at we're at an hour 20. This is way too long. Sorry, folks. Uh no. Um uh Garrett Bowles did come out and say today uh that he really hopes that he gets to stay with the Broncos. I hope he does. That's another guy. Three guys we have to sign. Lindsey, Simmons, Bowles. Got to do it. All three. Got to sign them. Got to do what you got to do. Um Yeah, I feel like there was something that I was going to say right. Oh yeah, Graham Glasgow. He did leave the game, which is why Schlotman came in. Came in, yeah. So didn't look bad though. Schlotman actually looked pretty good. Yeah, still waiting on on the status of of that, what his injury is, and you know what his status will be for this coming game. So. Right. Anyways, yeah. that is gonna do it for this week's episode of D Bronx Podcast. We thank you so much for tuning in and listening, and just hanging out with us, just fellow Broncos fans. 
enduring the ups and downs of the 2020 season together. Uh, whatever it is you like to do with your podcasts, uh, like, subscribe, follow, share. If you give us a share to fellow Broncos fans, right. we certainly appreciate that. If you like what you hear, uh, feel free to let us know. We definitely uh, love the encouragement and the feedback. So uh, from Ian, from Kevin, from myself, thank you so much for listening to Deep Bronx Podcast. We're out. We'll be right back.